0: Over the years, I've seen many big name salons in capital cities with high profile locations, expensive fit outs, and celebrity stylists. But sometimes those businesses don't actually make any profit. They might generate a lot of revenue, but the high overhead and often transient populations of both clients and staff members can create problems of their own. Then I see other salons all over the world that are maybe not in the capital cities and maybe don't quite get the prestige of being in such high-profile locations. But despite that, they are very successful, profitable businesses, and they can compete with any salon, no matter where they are. One such group in the UK is the Barry Stevens Salons in Leicester, which is a city with just over 300,000 people. It's about two and a half hours north of London. Today's guest on the podcast is Barry Stephen, part owner of the Salon Group, who, with his partner Jochen, have created a great business. In today's podcast, we're going to discuss what does it take to build a great team today, are competitions and awards still as relevant in this age of social media, how to create a great team culture, how do you motivate and lead a team, the importance of being part of the community, what are the keys to successful expansion and lots more. So without further ado, let's jump straight in and talk to our guest today, owner of the Barry Stevens Salons, Mr. Barry Stephen. Welcome to the show, Barry.
1: Thank you very much, Anthony. It's great to be here. It, it's,
0: uh, yeah. it's really good to have you here. I really appreciate you taking time out of your very busy day and business to spend some time talking to us. So um, uh, let's, let's uh, start with you giving us your, you know, your five-minute backstory as an overview of the business for Those people, particularly in Australia and the US, who perhaps don't know anything about the Barry Stevens salons. So over to you.
1: Right, okay. Uh, Just five minutes, you said. So, uh, okay. We started at the age of 15 for me, um, walking down the high street with my mum. I flew up a flight of stairs and I was greeted by a receptionist. And I asked the question, do you have any Saturday jobs? And really that's what uh, and when it started. Um, I started there um, Saturdays and then I got offered something called um, a YTS, uh, a youth training scheme, uh, as it were at that time. And it was a government um, incentive job. And I I think I earned £27.30 the first year and not very much more the second year, probably about £33.50 the second year. and um, But it was always my dream to, to be a hairdresser. And from a very young age, uh, I knew hairdressing was um, where I wanted to be. Um, so I started there um, as an apprentice and um, did my time, you know, my sort of 12 hours a day and uh, uh, learning the, the trade and the craft. But actually, like a lot of um, hairdressers, uh, and I think hairdressers are notorious for uh, grass um, hopping and jumping around salons to salons. And certainly that's what happened in the city here, looking for that extra tenor up the road, you know. And so I did a bit of that as well. But, you know, what I learned is, you know, grasshoppers in life are never successful people. People who stay put and stay focused really make it. Uh, work for themselves so um, I, I then started working uh, in a salon where I became successful and I built lots of clients and uh, you know um, but it was always my dream to open my own salon um, and I could visualize exactly what that was going to, to look like and I'd work day and night Anthony you know sort of 12 hours a day and then go and do some home hairdressing as well and I'd save all of my money you know to, to enable me one day to to be able to open my own salon. Uh, And I was driving through a village here in Leicester, um, and it was called Anstey, it is called Anstey, and that was 23 years, uh, 24 years ago, actually 25 in November, sorry. So, 4th of November, 1996, was uh, the day we opened a very dilapidated butcher's shop and I could see exactly what it was going to look like and we just took on this front room and there was four stations and I I always wanted to work with Paul Mitchell actually. Paul Mitchell back then, 25 years ago, was very much a quality product as it is today but it's it's not so recognised in the UK as it was then and I think, um, you know, I always wanted to be associated with quality um, when you think about, you know, Uh, Selfridges, Harvey Nicks, BMW, and Paul Mitchell. So that that was the impression I wanted to create, the perception. So the quality was important. There was two people, Debbie and myself, started uh, at the time. And, um, you know, we got off to a great start due to the demands and the popularity of the salon. The word got out very, very quickly. And you've got to remember this this village uh, had a population of 7,000 people then. And, um, you know, I think 99.9% of people said, what are you doing opening a, a really cool boutique London Uh, style salon in this village of Anstey. Well, if I'd listened to them, I wouldn't be talking to you now. Um, So um, we got off to a great stop and uh, sadly the guy who owned the property died and it was an opportunity for him to buy And then we put a flight of stairs in and then we operated on three levels in Anstey back 25 years ago. Um, But actually in Anstey, nobody really knew me in the city. So I wanted to make a a salon in the city and uh, I sold my home Uh, to enable me to do that, and I bought a half a million pound uh, property back then, actually, and I thought, you know, what, what am I going to do, you know, if if it goes um, belly up? You know, so that's why I sold my home to enable me to get enough capital and inject into this beautiful Victorian property here in the city. And I have to tell you, every man and his dog knew about uh, Barry Stephen coming into the city. We made a big loud bang and uh, a big noise. We had, you know, we we had a fantastic launch to the business here. Uh, in the city. So that was then. So um, now we have five salons and um, we have two barbershops as well. So we've we've come a long way in a short time we've we've lived and breathed it 24 7 we're all in morning noon and night we've got a fabulous team of about 65 70 people across the group uh who are very much dedicated to their passion and art very driven uh for me it was always about working alongside of people uh, very similar to myself you know um because i'm a very passionate person you know when I cut hair, I cut it from my heart. I want to work with like-minded hairdressers. So, um, so yeah, we, 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 we do some great things. We um, believe that uh, we have put Leicester and hairdressing on the map, that's for sure, uh, delivering red carpet gorgeous hairdressing 365 days of the year. So that's a little bit about me.
0: Good. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm just <laughs> made, I've just made a whole page full of notes there. Uh, so so, so the, uh, Jochen, your, your current partner, he didn't open yeah. the very first salon with you. He came on board later on. Is that right? Yeah,
1: he did. Actually, there, there's a story to tell there. So I met Jochen in Greece in Mykonos many, many years ago, and he moved over to England, um, and um, he was my partner uh, at the time. And, um you know, I always shared my aspirations, my dream, which was to open my son. He was very supportive and very encouraging. Um, He actually came on board later on as the business evolved and developed because he's an accountant. So he's really number smart and he worked actually for Next. We've got a a head office here in Leicester, um, the Next head office, and he used to work in their accounts department. So it was a great natural fit for him to to come on board, you know, as and when the business was in shape and and, and in a position position where we could employ him so he came on board in the in the top attic in the gods and uh, he used to do the number crunch in each and every day and the marketing side and so that that whole uh, collaborative mix with me being creative him being the number man you know was a great, um, yeah, great, uh, mix. A great um, mix yes yeah
0: without a doubt and and you bought the first building in ANSI did.
1: did you say we did, and we bought it at a snip. pardon the pun. It was like 40K at the time, so it really set us in good stead. And yeah. what I've learned from that as well, you know, investing in property um, really does, um, you know, stand you well in order to move your business forward and develop it and borrow money and et cetera, yeah?
0: Yeah, well, that's that's actually one of the things I often say to yeah. people is that, you know, uh, when I'm doing my seminars, et cetera, I'll, I'll often, you know, I find that there's a lot of young hairdressers that all want to be, in the capital city in the highest profile location blah 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 or or in uh in the us in uh you know high profile malls etc and one of the things i always point out to them is that you know there's nothing wrong with that but the downside is you are never going to own your real estate whereas As soon as you step outside of the big capital cities or uh, even go into slightly more suburban areas of some of those cities, there's an opportunity to potentially buy the salon premises that you're in. And I've never met anybody who owns a salon, who bought the premises, who said it was a mistake. Most of them say it was the smartest thing they ever did, and they probably made more money from that than they do from hairdressing. So uh, it's it's a great lesson
1: in itself, isn't it? Absolutely, exactly. And that's what, what I did um, here at King Street as well. So I own both of my properties uh, in Anstey and in King Street. Right. So King Street, right bang in the middle I of Leicester, you well, own Yeah, absolutely. Right. And okay. that's our flagship. And uh, as I said, you know, going back then, it was a half a million pound project. which was yep. sort of was 15 years on. So it gives you some idea, um, you know, what it might be worth today. So, sure. you know, yeah. again, it, it serves as well. And, um, you know, it's, it's banks smack in the city. So, yeah. yeah. Good, good. And are you still behind the chair doing clients yourself? So I just do some clients on a Saturday um, and I really indulge myself doing clients because for me, it's the best. Every day is a Saturday in the salon, but, you know, it's a great day for me to work with my guys. There's nothing better than I love, you know, clients coming in and we're all getting creative. The music's on. It's Saturday. It's such a great buzz. Uh, So I adore Saturdays. I very much look forward uh, to working and indulging myself in creativity with the clients. Yeah.
0: Yeah, good. And and the other thing that you, you dropped in there was you said when you opened your
1: first salon, it was you and Debbie. Uh, is Debbie your mum? No, no. Debbie was a, a hairdressing friend of mine no. and she's since opened her own salon. And um, she came on board uh, right from uh, day one. And um, her and I used to work alongside of each other and we used to do some great haircuts and and we would literally be there from you know eight in the morning till eight at night yeah. and then we'd mop and clean and you know make the salon look fabulous for the next day uh, for our clients so we we lived and breathed it and um you know uh, again you know we're all in uh, we were all in them and, and we're doing the same things as we do now you know um, in right. order to be successful now I, I mentioned your mum because I met her a few years ago when I was
0: in your salons, uh, and I was surprised she was your mum to start with. She didn't look old enough. Uh, is, is she still part of the business?
1: Yes, yeah, so she does. Um, she she's fantastic on the phone. So sometimes we'll pull her into uh, our reception team. You know, so she'll she'll move around the salons and do various things for us. Yeah, yeah. But she's like my sister, my mum. She looks tremendous
0: yeah that's good okay all right let's let's dig in a bit deeper then so um you alluded to uh barbershops um and i know before we got on the conversation we also talked a little bit about blow dry bars etc yeah. so uh, t- tell us about the 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 barbering side of your business because i know that that has been something that you've been very passionate about mm. and it's quite recently um you know m- made a bigger you know contribution to what your business is all about
1: Very much has. And six years ago, I had in King Street a coffee bar area, actually. And um, that area, I had a vision of what we could do with that. Um, So I threw um, 15K at it at the time, and we turned it into a retro traditional. Barber's Lounge. And, and what that did was, was generate a, a fabulous income, a business with, within the business, because of course, you'll always get those clients who want to come in with hairdressers, but barbering is, is quite different. And going back six years ago, it's really where the landscape changed, if I'm honest, and I think it really took off and of course every everyone's really focused on barbering that, but um what we did was we transformed this space into a barber's lounge. we've bought some really cool barbers in and um, and that was fabulous and we've we've done that and operated a very profitable uh, successful barber's lounge uh, and space um, but I wanted to take it up a notch and um I want wanted to do and offer some real traditional uh, American uh, old school stuff, you know, the shaving, the wet shaving and, um, you know, hairdressing. I'm a hairdresser. I'm not a barber. Um, so I wanted to um, collaborate and work with somebody who, who I see as the Jamie Oliver uh, of the barbering industry. And, and that is uh, the one and only Sid Satong, And he's uh, from New York and now based in the UK. Uh, he's all over the world. Uh, I think he's in Arizona at the moment. So him and I have formed a partnership and he's working with me on a standalone barbershop here in Leicester. It's a tong. And actually what we're doing now is transforming the first floor of the King Street Salon into a gentleman's uh, department. So we're going to do the whole shoe shine, the wet shave. We're wow. bringing all of those uh, traditional um Uh, things back into our business. And, um, you know, I'm very proud to have um, built this um, friendship and and a business relationship with Sid. So we're super excited about that.
0: Yeah. So was that in a response to, I mean, you know, I know that you have very much that traditional, for want of a better word, you know, unisex salon uh, during the the sort of, you know, 80s, 90s, noughties, whatever. Um, And then, you know, this barbering thing has has sort of changed the world of hairdressing over the last ten years. Were you finding that um, it was impacting on your business? In other words, you were losing clients to traditional barbershops, so you decided to to bring something internal. Was it was that the sort of rationale behind it? Yeah,
1: it was the rationale, and also because barbering's really taken off by some. this, you know, on every corner there's a barbershop, but they're they're doing it like for a. For £10, you know, £15, they're not really doing it the way we want to package our barbering services. So for me, it's about creating the experience, uh, the top-end barbering experience. So we want to do it very differently to perhaps, um, you know, every other barbering So, so barber. So that, that's why we've done what we're doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. Right. And price-wise, it's at a higher price point.
1: Yeah, it starts at um, £20, upwards £25. Um, 30 40 and so on depending on who you have of course
0: sure okay all right and um the blow dry bar yeah um, I, I know that that's a, a, an older part of the business model just talk to us a little bit about the importance of that now that's evolved well,
1: i think we were one of the first actually out of london to launch the first blow dry bar um in the midlands and it was really successful uh, clients can just walk in and have a blow bar uh, it's 20 pounds and uh, they can get their hair blown out on the day we have five different looks and um, you know people can just take advantage of that again it's been a fantastic um, add-on uh, service within the business and it's been hugely successful we've rolled that out in all of the salons so that's every day uh readily available for our clients
0: okay and um uh, is, is that part of the main salon or is it a separate, you know? Sp-
1: it's within, it was initially. Uh, we created a blow-dry bar, but we wanted the concept and the service to be rolled out in all of the salons. So it's a service where people can come in yeah. uh, and tap into,
0: yeah. Okay. So, Barry, what, what are the keys to successful expansion? Your business has evolved and grown and, uh, and done so successfully. So you know, what do you put that down to?
1: Okay, well, Um, I've expanded my business many times over the years and of course inevitably that has a ripple effect depending on what you're doing we've added to the uh, the number of salons and uh, obviously built the team but I think first and foremost Anthony is you've got to have a sound business model in place and that has to be portable Um, so what you've got there and what I've done it over the years as well I've seen lots of people go out and open their own salon. it's very easy to go and open your own salon actually making it work and making it successful is the is is the thing, so it's having a portable, a transferable model business model which works, um, and I think as well, you know, when your business is in good shape, then expand the business. Lots of people want to run before they can uh, walk, and for me, um, I've always organically grown my business. So when one has been hugely successful, and we're you know maximizing all the opportunities within that business, I think that's um, that's the key point. Uh, having a great team, of course. Uh, with you. And if you're opening another salon, you can't just put new people in it and just expect it to work as a business. The DNA has to be in there and the culture, um, the culture of your people, you know, what you're trying to create. Um, You know, so um, I always, when I open a new salon, I have a hit team, a mini hit team, and we send them in because they know what is expected of them. They know exactly what they've got to do to, to win the clients over and uh, set themselves up to win. So, um, so yeah, I think that, uh, and of course, yeah, invariably it does have a ripple effect because bringing new people into your business as well, um, replenishing the team you've taken out, you've got to re-educate um, them and indoctrinate them into your culture uh, and your standards. I think, you know, just basically getting the the, the formula right.
0: Yeah, okay, but I so would say. You, you, you mentioned your team. Um, and you know, you've already talked about a little bit about Sid and we've, we've uh, uh, touched on Jochen, your, your business partner. And I know, you know, from um, our dealings over the years that, that you're very, you know, you really put a lot of emphasis on your people. You're very people orientated. You've built a great team. It's not just, you know, the Barry Stevens show. So, you know, h- how do you create a successful culture? within a business okay
1: well i think um the culture as you've quite rightly said is is massively important creating that culture and um opportunity for your team i think is massively important you know i mean as we speak today um you know my very own neil smith who's worked with me 20 years who's been on such a journey he's out in argentina at the moment launching euphora uh, what a great opportunity but that comes in a business sacrifice as well Anthony, today as you know uh, owning your own salon. He's out of the salon for two weeks. I mean, that, that's a cost to the business. And, um, but, you know, creating that, of course, it, it has to be a balanced win-win, a, a joint journey. And I think it's about creating journey uh, as to where your team want to go within the business um, and um, and getting that balance right. You know, I think balance is is, is massively important. And rewarding people Um, You know, everybody wants to work where the party is, don't they? They want to work where it's happening, where the opportunities are. You know, hairdressers are notorious, as we said earlier, for sort of jumping around, looking for that better situation, that better opportunity. But we do Bring all of that to to Barry Stephen, and and that's we've got such a strong core of people who have been with the business for twenty five years. You know, some of the guys have been with me from uh, very much the early days. You know, from so um, so you know culture, um, reward, um, looking after your team, um, setting your team up to win, giving them the very best. Opportunities. And I think, um, you know, actually, two years ago, I launched something called the 100K Club. And the, these are people who have worked in the salon, who have worked with me for many years, and they're super successful. They're earning 100 pounds, they're taking rather 100K plus. So I called it the 100K Club. Uh, and so what that did was give these people an extra week holiday, a higher level of commission. They wanted more Saturdays off. They could have that. And so we would reward those people, um, you know, uh, in, in that way. Okay. Because they were part of that special club. So yeah. obviously that's operational. People want to be uh, pushing towards that and, uh, and making life great for themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, you know, you, you've been in business 25-odd yeah. years, Um different generations you know uh uh, uh baby boomers uh, uh millennials now gen z um mm. what do you find that young people want today like how do you like what's different about how you motivate and treat and and you know create opportunities for young people today to to, to satisfy their needs and expectations
1: so i think uh it's a really good question and um you know, as one gets um, older, and um, you know, your foot, you get frustrated. I think it's normal to, as, as as to your patience and your tolerance levels become less. And so, um, I, you know, when I'm talking to a young person, it's very difficult to to understand where they're coming from because young people tend to want it like yesterday, you know, and they don't want to do what it takes uh, in order for them to take themselves. You know, nearer to where they want to be. They don't want to always put it. So I think it's really just sort of uh, inspiring them. And and you know, when we talk about motivation, you've got to inspire them to to get them motivated, to get them wanting to turn up on time, looking fabulous, wanting to walk and talk and approach things in 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 the successful way they need to uh, promote themselves in. You know, so I think it's about talking their language and having a, a real understanding of um, uh, expectations, I think is, is key getting them okay. to
0: So, um, I, I mean, I know from previous conversations that there are little things that you do, very practical things yes. Yes. Uh, for your team around health and fitness and that sort of stuff. Uh, just
1: share with us what some of those things are. I think, um, actually, you know, I've got this, a story going back, um, oh, gosh, um, six years ago, I worked with a young lady in the salon and I, I it didn't take me long to realize we'd got a problem. And she was a relatively uh, new team member. And what I noticed was she was running up and down the stairs and she was throwing her lunch away and she was popping out of the salon for a cigarette and and she was really skinny and um, alarm bells were were ringing. and, And truly, this is true story and she became very poorly and ended up in hospital uh with anorexia she had an eating disorder it was really very sad and you know we obviously supported her and you know and she did come back to the salon and she did get well but you know that really got me thinking about what we could do as a business and and so um, I wanted to, to, to bring some people into the business to help the team really set them up to win. So we did like uh, various things, like a walk to work week. We did uh, fruit bowls, which we still have in the salon now. You know, healthy eating five a day. We brought hypnotherapists in for, you know, hairdressers are notorious for love, you know, smoking. They love, love a fag. And um, I thought, you know, let's bring some um, hypnotherapists in and, and get them them to to think about um, stopping smoking actually quite a few. Now, now Barry, I I have to
0: interject there because uh, our American audience, when you say they love a fag, um, we need to explain to them that you're talking about cigarettes.
1: Cigarettes, sorry, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, uh, (laughs) of course, no, cigarettes. So, and actually, I think three of them stopped smoking through that process. And um, we we brought sexual health advisors in, we brought... um, Gosh, what else did we do? We did everything really to set our team up. We bought personal. I I train. I go. I go to the gym. Um, with I, I train with a personal trainer, and at that time, I bought my personal trainer in to talk about postural exercises uh, and stretching. You know, uh, I bought a nutritionist in to talk to to them about food. You know, hairdressers are are really terrible with their eating habits you know the sort of eat in between clients and you know how important it was to have a proper break and sit down and feed themselves and water themselves so and we constantly uh, revisit that program because it's just part of what we do within all of the Barry Stevens salons so yeah. we really do look after our team and of course you know mental health me- mental well-being is, is is very current, and you know we've always considered that, and we've always, in fact, we've actually brought a counselor in to talk to, uh, to different team members privately as well. And we've we've supported that process. Oh, fantastic, how we have. So we were sort of way ahead of the game back then, sort of six, years, six seven years ago. You know, yeah. but I think um, young people, we have a an obligation to look after them. You know, they're coming to our industry, and we need to show them the way. We need yeah. to coach them uh, yeah. and look. And they often come out of school, you know, cotton environment. It's very different into the, in, in the real world, as you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I, admire, I admire your energy and enthusiasm here. I'm looking at you talking so animate, animatedly, if that's the correct word, and and you have so much energy and uh, passion for the business, your people, and 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 what you want to share. So, uh, uh, thank you for doing that. Um, I, I know also that outside of your salon. Um, you like to get very involved with the community um, at at different levels. Talk to us a little bit about um, some of the charities that you might be involved with and and what you see as the importance of uh, small businesses, salons in particular, in in, uh, being involved with their community.
1: Yeah, well, I think for me it's about giving giving back to the community. It's about engagement, isn't it? And, you know, doing good things uh, for people, really does pay dividends, and that isn't why we do it. We do it because we want to make a difference. I'm a Leicester boy. Uh, I'm very proud of that. Um, Leicester's been extremely good for me, um, and, um, you know, as a result of me opening my salons here in Leicester, there's probably another 20 salons here in Leicester, and they've gone, you know, a lot of those salon owners have gone through um, our training program, and they have the same values and ethos and um, Um, and line themselves with the same values, if you like. So I think that's really important. So working with other charities is massive for me Um, and and making more connections with local business and communities. We work with DMU. We've we've done Hair for the Queen uh, here at the Democracy University. Um, We we work and do their fashion show. We've collaborated with Kirby. Theatre. Um, I I work with a lot of young entrepreneurs. I'm the patron, the first ever patron, for the Thomas White Charity. Here, uh, without the Thomas White Charity, I wouldn't be in business today. I borrowed ten thousand uh, pounds back then. It's the Leicester uh, Charity, as it were then, and um, you know I had to sit in front of. dragons the dragon's den as it were then and and tell and convince these people with my business plan uh, what i wanted to do and i very much work and shout about the great things uh sir thomas white can bring uh you know for young people wanting to follow their dreams and start up their own uh, businesses not just hairdressing of course um so i'm a massive animal lover as well so i'm an ambassador here for the the Leicester Animal Aid uh, Center here. So shouting about the great things they do each and every day, uh, putting on events, raising money uh, for for our four-legged furry friends here in Leicester. So uh, we do so many things, actually. We've worked with the homeless. We've just done something at Christmas with the Age Concern. Um, we did a, a full day. Actually, Sid, my business partner, Barbara, he just cut hair all day Christmas uh, Eve just, just for age concern here in Leicester, which was such a nice thing to do, you know? Yeah. Um, and nobody asked him. He just said, that's what I'm going to do. Um, but, you know, I think it's just about giving back, isn't it? And um, getting your team energised and involved in that as well is a great motivator. We've gone out and worked with four different hospitals here in Leicester. We've even worked at the chemotherapy Unit here um, uh, in Glenfield at the time, and we've even, you know, where people have got no hair, we've just massaged aromatherapy oils into their scalp and just given them a, a, a you know, a, a nice experience. And um, so, so what we haven't done here, I, I don't know what we've done because we've done pretty much everything and yeah. continue to to do various things um, as we go along. You know, lots yeah. of random kindness, a- and we've, um, yeah, sorry, ramming I- on.
0: No, you're not rambling on at all. And and you don't do it as a marketing thing, but it obviously is good for business. It's good for it's good for the community. It's good for that team culture thing we spoke
1: about is, because yeah. all of this stuff builds culture, doesn't it? It does. And um it creates um feel good. Um yeah. and we, we want we want our clients to feel good each and every day, but perhaps sometimes People can't get in for whatever reason, yeah. Um, and so we want to go out and uh, give them a bit of red carpet, gorgeous hairdressing in their situations, and so, sure. so that's what we do. Yeah,
0: yeah. Good. Okay. Um, can I ask you how do you uh, how do you pay your people? Um, Very well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm Um, sure you do what sort of system do you have I truly believe you know in my company today I truly believe that we pay the very best wages uh, in in the Midlands. I'm convinced we do. We really do look after our people and give them the very best education. I couldn't think of anywhere better to work than my company. Um, So how do we pay them? We we reward them, of course, with um, a a great basic wage and we give them a commission uh, structure um, in place where they can, you know, take themselves... um, as, as 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 far as they want to go so we right. wouldn't want to cap that put a ceiling on it you know as i said we've got the 100k club we've got hairdressers earning 50k here in our salon today as we yeah. stand yeah
0: and and would you would you mind sharing what what uh, within that commission structure what sort of percentages can people potentially earn
1: so up to well, as in uh, like forty percent, yeah, forty percent, forty-five percent. But actually, the economics anymore doesn't uh, really stack up. So uh, on ge- generally speaking, about forty. But of course, we'll uh, put incentives in place, you know, uh, and, and bonuses on. And we like to reward great things. So you know, we we, we might put in place some um, extra holidays. Um, we might just uh, look after our team yeah. uh, in, a, in a way which would make them feel appreciated. Yeah. And yeah. No,
0: I, I, Look, I, I, think, I think that's great, you know, like yeah. uh, 40 45%. As you, as you just said, once you start going above that, there's nothing in it for the business, and the business right. is starting to lose money. Um, you know, literally, there, there's certainly nothing to fuel the growth and expansion of the business. And unfortunately, a lot of salons the world over get that formula wrong and yeah. uh, and And those numbers that you're talking are about about you know are uh, 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 what I think are realistic, whether you're talking the uk the us you know Australia whatever, and once you go above that you're starting to uh, you're, you're starting to work for them as opposed to them work for you, and the yeah. business no longer has the money to to put back into it to grow everybody and that's ultimately what it's all about
1: so that's right when I mean, you pay somebody forty percent you know that's going to cost you fifty two percent really. Yeah. Real terms, once you've paid that pension and holidays, um, so yeah, I mean, you've got it's a balance, isn't it? It's got to be right for the employee. It's got to be right for the business. Uh, so it's a win-win.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned right at the beginning that Jochen was an accountant. So you're yeah. you're that you're the hairdresser. You're the front man. You're the, um, you know, you're the marketing guy. You know, you, you're that person. Jochen is very much the numbers guy. Um, it's essential to have that sort of relationship, isn't it? It's very difficult for any salon owner to wear both those hats and wear them well. And I often find that in a lot of successful businesses that, um, you know, that those roles have been clearly delegated often to different people because it is a challenge to, to be the, the, you know, the, the, the hairdresser, to be the marketing guy and to be all over the numbers and getting excited about them at the same time. So talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so I mean, you know, yes, Jochen is very much behind the scenes. He he doesn't like the limelight um, as I do. But I'm a, you know I'm, a, I'm I'm an effective leader. I um, I I push from behind and I push my team forward because I believe you know um, uh, in, in 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 pushing the team in in the direction they need to go. I'm a clear communicator, so I, you know my message is very clear to my team. I'm a a creative soul. Um, so I do have many hats, and actually, you know. I can read a P&L like the back of my hand. Um, you know, I'm I'm very good with numbers as well, and I've learned that skill over the years. You know, business. Um, and and Yochanan, a oh, blessing. He he thinks he's a hairdresser sometimes. Um, he, he, might, uh, he might get involved when I'm doing a one-to-one and um, tell them how to cut hair. But you know, I think it's it really is all joking aside. Right. It is creating that mix, which for me, you know, I'm very fortunate. Joachim, um, I wouldn't want to do it without Joachim. Frankly, you know, he he's a great business partner, uh, and he's made a massive difference to the business. Yeah, um, he's number smart. He's very very clever. Yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, just just finishing up on the numbers side of thing. Uh, yes. If you're a salon owner listening to this, um, no matter where you are in the world, what sort of percentage? should you be aiming for as a profit margin what do you think a realistic profit margin is i mean wow. i find i find that a lot of salons are pretty much break even you know they're not making much profit at all um, unfortunately uh, and you know maybe the average one is making 3 4 5% profit occasionally you do come across businesses that are making 10 15 and even more but it's unusual so with your experience what would you mm-hmm. suggest
1: a realistic achievable figure is for salons? Well, you know, um, we, we currently make 20, between 20, 23%. Um, we turn over 3 million um, okay. between the, the, the salon group. Um, but um, I know, uh, as you quite rightly said there, Anthony, um, a lot of salons don't even make profit. Um, and so we do have a very strong business model uh, which delivers and um, produces a great uh, bottom line for us. Yeah. Um, you know, we run a tight ship. You know, everything is um, very much uh, monitored. We our budgets are tight. Everything's focused. You know, everything. Yeah. Can do. Um, yeah. So when you
0: quote figures like that, um, is that after the directors have been paid?
1: No, no, of course not. No, we we will um, take oh, our.
0: Oh, uh, it comes out of that. Right, got you, got you. Okay. Uh, That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, that that would be extraordinarily nice. (laughs) Uh, Because I think that's... It's a great result anyway.
1: It gives you some idea of where the business is. Um,
0: Yeah, because that's often what a lot of salon owners do, is they think they're profitable, but they're not, because their profit is their wages. And I'm sure out of that 23%, once the directors have taken their salary, there is still something healthy to reinvest back into the business. Quite, quite. Good. Okay. So, Barry, I want to switch it up a little bit and I want to ask you about technology and change. And I want to start with social media. So, you know, you've been in business for, you know, 25 years. I mean, you know, Facebook, et cetera, has only been around, what, 12 years or something. Um, so, So, talk to us about how social media has impacted on your business, what's been good and maybe where the challenges have been.
1: Yeah, well, it is good, and uh, you know, you have to use it to your advantage. Love it or hate it, it's there, isn't it? And you know, I've got to be honest with we—we we have many, we have had many challenges, and we do still have challenges with social media. If we think about a stylist, for instance, moving on to another salon, of course, there—you uh, know—years ago, you could manage that process. Now, you know, everybody knows where they are. Your clients have gone overnight, etc. So, you know, um, I, I've struggled with social media. To be fair, yeah. but, um, and we we have some simple rules, but you know, for me, it's what a, what happens in the chair when the client comes into the salon. Um, you know, everybody's posting pictures of beautiful hair. But, you know, that doesn't really get the client in the salon, and you know, lots of people put pictures out. I think, well, if you think that's going to get the client in, I'm not so sure about that. So, I think you know, you've got to engage with with people, and you've got to create. Um, you know, interaction. But I think you know, it has been good um, and it has presented problems. Yeah. Do, do you have
0: anyone within the organisation who looks after social media or is it everybody sort of doing
1: their own bit? So we in- encourage everybody to send pictures through um, and we manage those pictures because it may be, you know, with respect, with just even down to like the gown or where the client is standing, you know, there could be, a team member in the team, and we want fun engagement as well within the team. But you know, they could be standing behind a uh, you know, a, I don't know, a, a board with figures on and things like yeah, that. You've sure. got to be protective so we we do police it and we do manage it. And yeah, and Chelsea actually looks after the social media in our office, so right? Okay, do, do you um, let the actually, to various agents as well, agencies yeah. and uh, PR. But actually, they don't really talk your language. So oh. living and breathing uh, the salon culture and really knowing the team and uh, the different salons, I think that's key. I think that's massively important.
0: Yeah, to handle it in-house. Yeah. I, yeah, think so. I, I, I agree. I, I, I'm in all my experiences, I, I'd actually totally agree with that. Uh, is, is it Instagram or, or Facebook? Where's your, where's your key, key focus? Well, I think it's Instagram. Right. Definitely. Okay. All right. And and do you uh, is it clients that you put on Instagram or do you do specific shoots that you're using for Instagram with models that are done out of hours, etc.
1: No, no. It's pretty much uh, across the board, really. So a mixture of, okay. of everything. Because if you think you know one thing appeals to one, might not another. So we're really trying to tick all the boxes.
0: Yeah. Okay. What other uses of technology? have you embraced in the in the salon I mean do you have any do you have a salon app that you use I mean how do you use uh, uh Instagram or, or or YouTube whatever in terms of training do you use anything like that
1: yeah so we we have actually brought experts into the salon to train uh the team um with with social media but um just technology is, is constantly changing I think you know for for, um, yes, we the question there was, do we have an app? We're just about to launch a second app because we're always trying to make um, the client um, booking, client experience easier. Um, we work with um, Salon IQ, which is a fantastic system where we can, you know, communicate with our clients, um, share different promotions and, you know, what, what's happening in the salon activity-wise. We've just launched our telephone um, central hub. So we're, we're, we're taking that whole experience to a new level um, rather than – and I think as well, you know, actually this whole reception uh, desk and computer in the salon is, is pretty much had its day. I think this, yeah. you know, trying to make a, a seamless environment, we're trying to create a much better experience for our clients. Okay. Okay uh, so, so you're
0: having a call center to handle all the yeah. bookings for all four salons and what correct. you're starting to get a, get rid of the reception desk
1: sort correct. of correct yeah right. because i think often you know like in most salons Everybody wants to congregate behind a bloody reception desk, and you yeah. know, from a client, I just think that's so done now. You know, and yeah. it creates a barrier. It's intimidating. Um, I don't know what that's about, but people always want to stand there behind it, looking at the window. You know, and so it's just not very conducive uh, for yeah. our business now. So we, we're really sort of taking uh, a different approach to customer experience, client experience, and uh, yeah. Communication, so using technology okay. is important from that point of view. So, 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 what
0: will that look like? Will receptionists have an iPad or something, and they'll be checking Correct. clients yeah. out
1: from their chair? Yeah. That's exactly what we're going to do. Right. And offering an express, um you know, service as well, so people can actually just pay the bill and, and then just leave the salon. So yes. it's just much easier for people. Sure. To yeah, co-
0: I, I know of a lot of salons that are that are talking that talk. Um, Uh, I've not seen any of them that are actually doing it or doing it well. Do do you know of any salons that you've looked at and you've gone, they are doing that so well. They've done away with the desk. I mean, everyone uses as their reference the Apple store, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not, I'm not seeing it in any salons where I've gone, wow, they have really nailed that. You know, they've got it rid of the desk. Yes, they're still exactly. killing it with the retail and the client
1: experience is brilliant. It's yes. a seamless transition. Are you, are you seeing it work effectively anywhere? Come back and see us in a year's time. We're going we're gonna to nail you're it. You're going to be the, I, you're gonna I be I like the benchmark. You. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, like you, I haven't seen it right. um, as I would want it to work for, for yeah. us, our salon group. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now,
0: all over the world, not just in the hairdressing industry, in in lots of industries, there is this move towards independent contractors, self-employed, gig economy, freelancers, whatever you want to refer to it as. Um, What are your observations? I read somewhere recently that even in the UK now, that there is something like 54% of hairdressers are now self-employed. Um, in America, it's at least that much. Um, there's a, a very strong culture, obviously of the salon suites there and booth rental. Um, what are your thoughts about that? And, and how are you, um, what's the word, you know, I, I mean, are your people self-employed? Uh,
1: are you, Yeah. You know, what's your stand on that, so to speak? Okay. Yeah. So no, they're not. Um, is it a route I want to go down? No, it isn't. Um, I am aware that, you know, that, that there is a, a majority of, um hairdressers here in the UK who probably are self-employed. Do I think that's going to change? Yes, I do. Um, I think there'll be a tipping point I do when they work out. Really, you know, I have people asking me, um, you know, I have asked people who people who've come and asked me rather, uh, who are self-employed uh, in other salons um, to, to come and work here because they they really like the idea being employed, having holidays, having great opportunities, um, you know, being able to earn a consistent income. So yeah. I think that's far more attractive, and I think we'll see less self-employed, um, certainly um, as the revenue and the revenue get their teeth into these uh, self-employed operators who are not paying them and contributing their tax.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, when you, when you say yeah. the revenue... Yeah. In the UK, we call it the revenue. In the US, they call it the IRS. Yeah, okay. uh, or Australia well, sure call we'll it the ATO. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I thought sure they will sink their te- teeth into to lots of um, self employed operators because yeah. you know that there, there is a um, a problem here. And yeah. uh, but I, I see it resolving itself. I'm sure in
0: time. Okay. All right,
1: Um, let's let's talk about- But I wouldn't want it in my silence anyway, because I just don't think it's conducive to the culture. You know, culture is massively important and my team are so important. So making sure, you know, your team turn up on time, you know, um, and look fabulous and do great hairdressing and have a a great, um, um, you know, approach to their clients. And I think as as a self-employed person, it's very difficult to give them direction uh, and, and control that and I, i'm pretty much a control freak uh, generally within my business i like things to, yeah, work, yeah. to work you know we do things right here
0: sure yeah exactly okay uh, let's just talk about your personal skills
1: of success uh, what is it that drives you so i guess the people really and uh, and the clients um simple as you know i want to come to work Every day is different. Um, it's a great opportunity to work with. You know, never one day is the same as the other. So I think making people feel good um, It's not so much about the money. It, mm. It's about success and what, what does that look like? You know, for me, success is about happy clients, happy team, um, you know, being reputable, um, credible, giving people a great life, great yeah. opportunities, um, and, and having a great time. Uh, doing that,
0: yeah, yeah. H- how do you um, stay relevant? You know, how do how do you reinvent yourself? I mean, the Barry Stephen today is not the Barry Stephen that I met ten years ago, or ten years before that, or whatever it is. So, 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 what is it that's like you know, behind that?
1: So, I think you know, it's always pushing yourself and um, your personal development, taking on you know, new challenges in, you know, in your life, and you're constantly exploring. I'm certainly exploring, learning, sharing, um, and sharing time, hanging with, you know, they say you're an average of the the, 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 the three people you hang with. And so, you know, I want to hang with successful people. You've probably yeah. heard before. Successful people leave clues, you know? Yeah. Um, so for me, it's about learning from others and um, always pushing myself. Um, forward and um I would never compromise that you know I never compromise I remember some somebody saying to me early in my journey when I first opened my salon you know Barry you really really are hard on yourself and um you should chill out a little bit and you know just let things go a little bit well if I've got to let things go and um I can't push forward then I'm not happy to do it and I don't want to compromise my standards so you know I guess that that for me is. is the way I am personally um, in my life and uh, in my business good well, there's nothing wrong with that
0: um, like any business there must be times where things don't go right I mean you know people leave et cetera et cetera. H- how do you um, overcome adversity how do you how do you respond
1: when things you know don't go the way you wanted well you know I think you've got two choices haven't you you know um, you, I, I always look for positives. Um, and as one door closes, I'm a great believer another opportunity comes your way. And, and that is so true. So often when, you know, um, bad situations present themselves, there's always a positive. Um, so just being really focused forward. I love red wine. You can intravenous me with red wine every night. <laughs> it's a great way of relaxing. Um, you know, I, I um, yeah, I take my dog for a walk. And, and we, we've got something in our office um, called 2-4. And you may or may not have heard that. 2-4 is, could be 2-4 seconds, 2-4 minutes, 2-4 hours. Let's just 2-4 it. Let's just think about it. And um, often, you know, as creative people, we shoot from the head. We put our mouth into gear before our brain, and I think it's about just just two fouring it and um, thinking about what it is in front of you and turning that negative into a positive. And you can always find a positive in any situation. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Okay,
0: that's good. Good advice. Um, what's that, sort of on that on that tune on that theme? What's the biggest lesson that you've learned in life? It, it doesn't have to be in business doesn't have to be in hairdressing. But what's the biggest, you know, lesson that you've learned? Or, or perhaps another way of um, asking the same question or a similar question is, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give to, to Barry Stephen 25 years ago when he was uh, starting out on the salon journey?
1: Okay. Oh, God, there's so many lessons, of course. Um, there's so many, um, so many things I've learned. Um, I guess uh, stay true to yourself, um, you know, uh, don't compromise your values and your your principles, you know, and stay forward focused because I think people do want to pull you back and there's a lot of negativity. Um, you know, certainly the last bloody year with Brexit, you know, I'm bored of all that, you know. I, I was a, a, a Remainer and actually, you know, uh, I'm just glad to see the back of it now and, and move forward. So that why do I say that? I say that because um you just have to uh, believe in yourself, you're in a sat nav, you know? Um, just just believe your your you're in a sat nav, never lets you down. That's what I've learned. Listen to yourself, be true to yourself, don't let people pull you um away from, from where you're you're focused on. And 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 so you know many people do that in life I, I don't know what that's about but yeah, people yeah. do and you know firstly when I opened my salon and, and we you know going back to what what we said earlier I would say 99.9% of people said what are you doing opening your own salon yeah, uh, yeah. but you know I listened to myself it was my dream yeah and um yeah, I wouldn't be talking to you now, Anthony. Okay, well, they're, they're, they're good. That's good
0: words to uh, start to draw to a close on. Uh, any final words, Barry? Any bits of advice or anything you'd like to say to our audience before we wrap up?
1: So um, I think we've pretty much said it, you know. I think, I think we have. Uh, I think we've covered everything in a yeah. nutshell. Um, yeah, I you know, I believe you can achieve whatever you want to achieve. Um And uh, I believe hairdressing is the best industry in the world. I wouldn't want to do anything else um, at all. I I think we're all very, uh, very fortunate um, Mm.
0: people. Well, I I did just think of one thing that I did want to ask you about, and that was awards. Yes. Um, I know you've won a lot of awards over the years. Um, I wanted to ask you, I get this feeling that awards are having less relevance in in this world of social media now, I think magazines have got less relevance. I think awards are having less relevance. Um, just, just your thoughts on that before we wrap
1: up. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point. I mean, we we have one. Um, I think we've probably got about fifty-eight uh, national and local awards under our belt. So we have entered a lot of awards, and I think that I think they are. Um, very relevant if, if they're relevant to your business at the time. And I think, you know, a lot of people enter awards for awards' sake and, and certainly that isn't where our focus is now. Um, we'll only enter award if we're really uh, credible in that and, and making sure we, we follow the criteria tick all the boxes. Do I think they're great for your business? Yeah, I mean, I think they are in industry-wise and locally because bringing an award back to the team is a great motivator um, and, um, you know, it creates a great buzz, um, you know, and with social media, of course, you shout about and celebrate your successes. Um, but less and less, I think you're right. Um, you know, a, a, a awards are being kind of overdone uh, to a degree, aren't they?
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. and yeah. in, in in my and, and I think
1: this new generation.
0: And I, think, yeah. Yeah.
1: I think this new generation, I just don't think
0: they're that interested, which is right. interesting in itself. So anyway, all right. Um so uh Barry, to wrap up, where can people connect with you on social media or online? What are your uh Instagram, Facebook, website details?
1: Barry Stephen.
0: Okay, so that's B-A-R-R-I-E Stephen. S- S-T-E-P-H-E-N. You've got it, yeah. yeah. So it's barrysteven.com, and it's, uh, it's at barrysteven on Instagram and Facebook. You've
1: got it, yeah. Yeah? Good. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. So uh, if you're listening to this podcast with Barry Steven and have enjoyed it, then do me a favor, take a screenshot on your phone and share it to your Instagram stories. Uh, so to wrap up, Barry, I'd like to thank you for taking uh, an hour and a half out of your very busy day. Uh, to share your passion and enthusiasm and, and knowledge and love for the industry on the Grow My Salon Business podcast. So, Barry Stephen, it's been our absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much,
1: Anthony. Thank you.
0: Cheers. Cheers.